Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Dane Elliott with Elliott Ranches in Pawnee, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's always great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the North-South Fed Cattle Premium is gone. Back in the summertime, there was about a $10 difference between fed kettle prices in the north and the south. But that's no longer the case. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Supply and demand appears to be working against cattle feeders when it comes to the markets. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Beef education for the doctor's office. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on the Texas Beef Council's Medical Office Outreach Program on Texas Ag Today. We don't know how mild or how severe our winter in East Texas will be this year. Many may be concerned about whether their warm season forages would survive severe winter weather. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The fed cattle price difference between the northern and southern plains has now disappeared. Earlier this summer, there was as much as a $10 premium for northern cattle over our fed cattle here in the south. But Corbett Wall with DV Auction in Amarillo says the holidays and short supplies in the south have evened out that difference. Well, these fed cattle, uh, the, the numbers on them are just so tight that uh, packers are, are they're not going to show it, but they're, they're getting nervous because it's the time of the year they're wanting to step up the harvest on these cattle because they've got to fill their supplies up because the, the demand, the pre day is so big for beef with Christmas parties and, and people going out shopping and eating in restaurants and things like that, that they've got to have uh, plenty of product on hand and the supplies are so tight. And now we've suddenly run short of cattle in the southern plains. Right now we're just shorter on, on uh, market-ready supplies in the south than we are up in the Midwest and the northern plains. Corbett Wall with DV Auction out of Amarillo. U.S. farmers and ranchers are feeling slightly more optimistic about the agricultural economy. 
According to Purdue University and the CME Group's Ag Economy Barometer, there was a slight uptick in ag producer sentiment in October due to farmers' improved perspective on current conditions on their farm and expectations for the future. Purdue University also reports farmers were slightly less concerned about the risk of lower prices for crops and livestock, and they felt somewhat better about their farm's financial situation than in September. The report noted that 78% of the farmers surveyed said it is a bad time to make large investments on their farm, citing concerns with rising interest rates. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. U.S. cotton farmers are making great progress harvesting this 2023 crop. USDA's Brad Rippey. Cotton harvesting had a great week. We saw some rain, but it was mostly outside of the main cotton belt, and it fell primarily in the western Gulf Coast region where the cotton that's there has already been harvested. So great news for California, for the southwest, for the southern plains, the delta and the southeast, everything moving along quickly this week. Overall, U.S. cotton harvest 67% complete by November 12th. Five-year average is just 63%. We are, however, behind last year's number, 70% complete on November 12th, 2022. Here in Texas, our cotton harvest now stands at 56% done. Supply and demand appears to be working against Texas feedlots. James Hunt tells us that Friday's cattle on feed report should get more attention than it normally does. When USDA puts out the monthly cattle on feed report Friday afternoon, it will draw attention as it always does. But there might be even more interest than normal in this report because of the way last month's report has impacted cattle markets. Brady Miller of TCFA, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, believes what was revealed in the October 20th cattle on feed report contributed to the recent slump in fed cattle prices. One number that stood out in last month's report was the huge 6% jump in placements. I think it was a shocker to many analysts how many animals were actually being placed on feed. Strong prices for feeders motivating ranchers to send their calves to town, causing the supply side to swell. And as for demand, well, last month's report showed an 11% drop in marketings. The packer isn't willing to harvest these animals, and for good reason. Uh, Today, if you look at a packer profit, it shows to be a negative somewhere between 50 and $100. So there's not a very good appetite out there for a packer to just run out there and, and purchase a lot of animals on a given week. Now we'll wait to see what the new cattle on feed report tells us, but Brady Miller says trends appear to be holding, at least for feed yards within the TCFA membership area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. Miller says TCFA's estimates show that last month, placements within the three-state region were up by about 6% year-over-year, and marketings were down by about 6%. So we're putting a lot of cattle on feed, not harvesting as many. In the normal reality of things, when you place more cattle than you're harvesting, that typically doesn't help us in the long run. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Beef Council is taking beef education into the doctor's office. Tom Nicoletti tells how. My guest today is Stacy Musgrove. She is with the Texas Beef Council. She is regional manager for the TBC's medical office outreach program. She joins us from Frisco today. And uh, Stacy, let's uh, get into the nuts and bolts of this program. What 
is the goal of the Beef Council's medical outreach? The goal of the TBC's, what we call internally our MOO program, medical office outreach, is to share clinical information and research with healthcare professionals pertaining to beef as part of a heart healthy diet. And we're doing that in order to build confidence in the physicians in that research to the point that they don't feel like they need to tell patients that they have to limit or restrict beef in their diets. Ultimately, we want to increase the demand for beef as part of a heart-healthy diet. Now, how long has uh, the program been in existence? The program started back in January of 2016. And when we started, we had just two representatives. We had a representative in the Dallas area and a representative in the Houston area. Since then, we've grown quite a bit. We actually have employees, representatives that are going into doctor's offices, calling on doctors to bring them the the science, the research. So most of our representatives on the program right now are former pharmaceutical sales representatives who have really built a career on learning how how to relate and speak with a doctor to gain access to physicians, both physically but mentally, in order to present information to them in such a way that can help them reframe and change their mind on maybe some of the recommendations that they've been giving to patients. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The forecast is calling for a cold, wet winter. 4-H specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says warm season pasture grasses can be killed if it gets cold enough. As a warm season grass, Bermuda grass can be sensitive to winter damage despite dramatic genetic improvement to cold tolerance. Winter kill can be caused by a combination of factors. Winter kill is dependent on moisture, low temperature, and the duration of low temperatures. Low temperatures can be damaging when it occurs late in the winter or early spring and lasts up to a week to 10 days. Areas most susceptible to winter kill include north-facing slopes, heavily shaded areas, poorly drained areas, areas planted with poorly adapted cultivars, areas trafficked during winter, areas of substantial soil compaction, areas that were newly sprigged or seeded last summer, and areas with deficient levels of soil potassium. To reduce the risk of winter kill, it is critical to follow best management practices during the growing season. Those practices would include maintaining appropriate soil fertility, especially potassium levels for Bermuda grass. Potassium is essential in plants to combat diseases, aid in water use, and for winter hardiness. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Maintaining some substantial Bermuda grass stubble height going into winter can be beneficial for the future growing season. Higher stubble height means more substantial root structure to capture deeper soil moisture and nutrients. Maintaining a higher stubble height generally results in increased loading of rhizomes, reserves, and increases canopy insulation of crowns during the winter. Using the best management practices that encourage healthy stands, better nutrient utilization along with grazing management and hay production practices that extend the longevity of the stand is the producer's best line of defense. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. If you plan on having a campfire in your backyard or while hunting this year, there are a few things you should keep in mind. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And one of the most serious horse diseases is a strain of the equine herpes virus. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. One of the most serious horse diseases is a strain of the equine herpes virus that affects the neurological system. Dr. Bob Judd has more on this disease. Although equine herpes virus 1 can cause respiratory disease and abortions, the most serious problem is the neurologic disease. The disease causes a sudden onset of ataxia or wobbling when walking, partial paralysis, urinary incontinence, or urine dribbling. Usually multiple horses on a farm are affected as the disease is contagious and the horses may have a recent history of respiratory disease or abortion. A review on the disease in Science Direct indicates that the disease is difficult to control because a lot of horses are latently infected, meaning they are carrying the virus already and currently available herpes virus vaccines are not effective against the neurological form. The most common method of diagnosing the disease is finding DNA of the virus in the blood or nasal secretions. There are multiple other diseases with similar symptoms, but most do not occur as suddenly as herpes virus. Stress has been shown to play a role in horses developing clinical symptoms, as many horses already have the virus in their bodies, and stress like hauling to a horse show and boarding with a lot of other new horses at the show. This is the reason it is believed many of the neurologic herpes outbreaks occur at equine events with a large number of horses present. And this is a real issue, as many horses will become exposed and can bring the virus back to other horses on their farm. Unfortunately, there is no specific treatment available. There are antiviral drugs that have been used to treat the disease, and some believe they are helpful. Some horses seem to respond to anti-inflammatories, but there are side effects of these drugs. Many horses that are unable to rise do not survive. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you plan on having a campfire while hunting this year, there are a few things you should keep in mind. Jessica Domel has some pointers in today's wildlife report. If you plan on starting a campfire this fall or winter, there are a few things you can do to help reduce the risk of a wildfire. Karen Stafford, the Texas A&M Forest Service's statewide wildfire prevention program coordinator, says one thing people should keep in mind is that campfires are responsible for about 2% of wildfires in Texas. This time of year, everybody wants a campfire, whether they're just keeping warm or cooking outside. Making sure that those campfires have a clearance all the way around them, down to the mineral soil, so that fire can't escape that fire ring. And then also just something as simple as making sure that fire is fully extinguished either before you leave your campsite or before you go to bed at night. Always have a water source on hand and completely extinguish those fires until the coals are cold. Those who plan to light a campfire should make sure the area where the fire will be set is completely clear of flammable materials. A campfire should be kept at a manageable size and never left unattended. 
if the winds pick up during the day while you're gone out hunting, those winds could carry those fire embers out of your fire and into the brush or into the leaves outside their fire ring. I would definitely worry about the winds or even if you don't have a fire ring around it, yes, that fire could easily creep out and, and escape out into the wildlands. Before leaving camp, ensure the fire is completely out. So we say drown, stir, drown, stir, and feel. So we're going to drown the fire with water. We're going to stir those hot coals. We're going to drown it again with more water, stir the hot coals, and then you can put the back of your hand down close to the coals. And if you feel heat, then we need to repeat. Stafford also encourages people who plan on starting an outdoor fire to ensure the county they are in is not under a burn ban. You can find that information on the Forest Services website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check those markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, any gains we had in the cattle futures market in the early part of the week mostly disappeared here on Thursday. We had a big loss in both live and feeder cattle once again. December live cattle dropping 302, closing at 174.75. February down 345, 175.32, with April live cattle down 337, 177.10. Feeder cattle also taking a drop. Now, the November, it's lightly traded, about to go off the board. It was only down 5 cents, 229.37. But the January down 340, 227.50, with March feeders down 340 at 230.10. Cash fed cattle market seeing some trade pick up here as we get to the end of the week. Here in the Southern Plains, 178 bought some cattle. That's two bucks lower compared to last week. Live prices in the north mostly steady at 180 to 181. Dressed prices mostly at 282. That's two to four dollars lower. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday. Choice down a dollar forty four. 294.89 select up 93 cents at 268.78 now let's check those auction barns we're walking the pens with larry marble phil brockenbush gettings livestock sells them on monday it happened to be his last sale before the holiday phil how did it go and it was good larry we wound up with a thousand and fifty five total walk the pins with us all right your steers 300 back average 237 brought up to 350 three to four weights 280 to 325 four to five weights 246 to 315 five to six weights 223 to 252 and a half six to seven weights 211 to 230 seven to eight weights 194 to 207 and a half your heifer mates 300 back average 
averaged 235, brought up to 285. Three to four weights, 249 to 280. Four to five weights, 228 to 275. Five to six weights, 211 to 240. Six to seven weights, 198 to 217 and a half. Seven to eight weights, 180 to 195. The Bull Yearlings, seven to 850 pounds, 170 to 205. 850 to 1,000 pounds, 110 to 180. Uh, the high-yielding bulls, 110 to 124. Medium-yielding bulls, 95 to 105. Uh, the high-yielding cows, 90 to 108. Medium-yielding cows, 65 to 80. Little thin cows, 25 to 60. On the stocker cows, uh, we sold some pairs. Uh, they brought from 800 to 1975. And the bread cows, from 400 to 15 and a quarter. Sounds like you had a good sale, but you won't have one uh, Thanksgiving week, will you? No, sir. We'll be closed this next Monday. We'll come back that next week. I don't even, I'm not sure the date that. 27th, yeah, I think it's Monday the 27th, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll be closed next week for, for Thanksgiving. I hope, you know, everybody has a good holiday. We'll see them back here that next Monday. Well, tell everybody how to contact you. Uh, you can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was Phil Brockenbush Giddings Livestock, and you're our neighbor. And you're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished slightly higher. December hogs up 42 cents, 71.47. February hogs up 72 at 75.62. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby November milk up 5, 17.15, 100 weight, while December milk was down 37 at 17.08, 100. Cotton closed mixed on Thursday. We did have a fairly good-looking export sales report. That helped to keep a floor underneath prices. December cotton was up 27 points, 78.68. March cotton down 13 points at 80.88. May cotton down 11 at 81.63. Grain market closed higher. A combination of good demand for corn plus weather concerns in Brazil helped prices on Thursday. December corn up four cents, four seventy-four and three quarters. March corn up four and three quarters, four ninety-three and a quarter. However, we just can't hold on to any gains. We're now at the lowest prices we've seen here in 2023. December Kansas City wheat dropped twelve and a half, six twenty-seven and a quarter. December Chicago wheat down seven at five fifty-three and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas down fourteen cents, three oh five. December West Texas crude down 352 at 7314 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 45 points, 34,945. The Nasdaq up 9, 14,113. The S&P up 5 at 4,508. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.